Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. Now I can't think of anything greater than an almighty, all-knowing, ever-present, glorious God who needs nothing or anything who is willing to make himself a servant and do the, the nasty, dirty work that was required to bring salvation's grace into the heart of filthy sinners. And he does all of that so that he can elevate them. I, I don't know of anything greater than that. That is phenomenal. Perhaps I could think of a bunch of nasty sinners who might try to do that in order to prove their greatness. But he had nothing to prove. He became a servant so that he might elevate, so that he might be able to help repentant sinners to reach their God-given potential. And what did he receive for all of his humiliation, service, and sacrifice? Well, let's finish that passage, verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Again, Jesus didn't just teach a truth. He actually lived it out. He became for a time the least among us all. And that incomparable humility burst forth in unimaginable greatness. We move on to verses 49 and 50, and we find John opening his mouth to make a statement. And I don't know really what motivated John to say what he said. I didn't find a whole lot of clues there in the passage. Maybe Jesus' words on humility had just sailed over his head and He decided, you know what, I'll just take another lap around pride and I'll brag right now about a recent confrontation I was involved in. Or maybe Jesus' words about humility were convicting to John. And and, and so it was convicting about this confrontation. He thought he would bring it up to Jesus. I'm not sure, but either way, we find John telling Jesus that he and his fellow apostles had witnessed someone doing the works of the kingdom. But because that person was not of their group, They tried to put a stop to it. Hey, Jesus, the other day when we were down to market, we saw this guy, and he was using your name, and he was commanding devils to come out. And every indication is that they were. But we we went over, and we we, we told him, stop. You can't do this. You've got to stop right now. You're not part of our group. You're not commissioned by our Lord. You've got to stop. Question, why? why? Why would they do that? I mean, if a person is doing the works of the kingdom, why would you want to hinder that person? Why wouldn't you come alongside and help them? Well, someone says, well, the reason they did that is because that person wasn't doing it quite right. Or, well, they were just copycatting what they'd seen the, the disciples do a little earlier when they were commissioned to go out and do the same thing. Or, or this person was doing more harm than good because uh, their work wasn't genuine like ours. And we say, perhaps... But you know, the text doesn't lead us in that direction. The text suggests that this person was casting out demons in the name of Jesus, and they were doing it successfully. 
This person who was casting out devils was not like the phony sons of Sceva who were putting on a show in Acts chapter 19 and were exposed, and I mean literally exposed, as their clothes got ripped off and they ran away naked. (laughs) Exposed for the charlatans they were. The demons were obeying the commands of this man as he gave them in Jesus' name. And so the question is, how could a person do that unless they were commissioned by Jesus? Because people can't do that kind of thing on their own, can they? I mean, who among us has the power to command the spirit realm to do what we want them to do? And they just go, okay. And we know that Satan, he doesn't come along and give that kind of power to people. So if this person was successful casting out demons in Jesus' name, it must be that at some point, and we don't know when or how, it's not recorded, but at some point, Jesus must have given this person authorization to do it. The bottom line is after hearing about all this, Jesus' response was this, do not stop him. Leave him alone. Why? Because the one who is not against you is for you. Think about that for a moment. Can you say that last part with me? For the one who is not against you is for you. Sectarianism. Sectarianism. Look it up. Some of you could do it right now. You do it anyway, right? You pull out your phone. You could Google it right up. Look it up. Sectarianism is the leading reason that you will find so many Protestant denominations. There's really no legitimate reason to have, how many, Brett? 20, 25, 30, 40, 50 Protestant denominations. There's really no legitimate reason for that. And you say, well, why does that happen, Pastor Mike? Why, why, why do we have all these different Protestant... I'm not even including, you know, those churches that we wouldn't consider even biblically based. I'm, I'm talking about the, pro, the ones who we, we would generally consider as biblically based. Why is, this, why is there so much division? Why are there so many different denominations? Well, because mankind tends to think this way. We tend to think that if you don't walk in lockstep with us, if you don't walk in lockstep to our interpretations, our traditions, and our preferences then at best, you are immature in the faith. And at worst, you're an apostate altogether. Having grown up in the Protestant realm and having been associated with a variety of different denominations in my lifetime, I can tell you that that attitude exists and it exists very strongly. If you don't walk in lockstep with our interpretations, with our traditions, and with our preferences, then at best, you have shown that you are spiritually immature. I mean, you're just a baby. You don't even know what you're talking about. At worst, you're a flat-out heretic. So truth point number four suggests that there are points of belief that warrant disfellowship or separation. And there are points of belief that do not warrant such. And if we're going to make a judgment, then we need Christ-like humility and Holy Spirit discernment to draw the line correctly. Holy Spirit discernment and Christ-like humility. You say, Pastor Mike, what might be some of those belief, those points of belief that warrant separation 
and saying we can't be in the same camp together. Well, I'll give you one. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? This is a point of belief that if we're in the wrong as it relates to what God's Word says, then it does warrant separation. God's Word clearly tells us that Jesus is God. God in human flesh. God's Word also tells us that Jesus is the creator of all things and that He is the sustainer of everything that continues on. But there are groups out there that say that Jesus is actually the offspring of a God who used to be a man who has sexual relations with his celestial wife in heaven. And uh, not only did those two conceive Jesus, but they conceived Lucifer as well. So Lucifer and Jesus are actually brothers. So can I tell you that we can't, we can't go, we can't be in fellowship with that kind of an opinion or thought or interpretation? That's not a preference. That comes down to what does God's word actually say? And so that's, that's worthy. But let me tell you something that isn't worthy of separation. And I'm already prepared for the emails I may get on this one. Can I tell you that your opinion of the rapture is not worthy of separating yourself from others? Now, I personally believe when we come to the doctrine of eschatology, future things, I, I believe and I teach a pre-tribulational rapture. That's what I believe, and that's what I think God's Word says, and I don't make any apology for it, and that's where I'm at, and that's just where I'm at, right? No problem. That's what I believe God's Word says. However, there are other good people who say, no, 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 it's not a pre-tribulational rapture. It's a mid-tribulational rapture. In other words, we're gonna, the church is going to go through the first three and a half years, then it's at that, that middle point that we're going to get caught up into heaven, and then the last three uh, things come along and everything goes to hell in a handbasket. Write that down. That's from West Virginia. <laughs> By the way, Brett keeps an active running list of the crazy things that I say that come from the hills of West Virginia. <laughs> He's got a list in his phone. That's probably one of them. There are others who say, no, 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 no. It's not at the the midpoint. No, the church is going to go through the entire tribulation, and it's at the very end that Jesus is going to come and rapture up those who are still living and resurrect all those who have died, and then immediately he's going to usher us into the thousand-year reign of Christ. That's called post-trib, okay? Now, I believe that the right teaching on this issue is important. I don't want to minimize it, but it does not rise to the essentials of the faith that would demand that we separate from others who have a different understanding. We can argue about it. We can discuss it. We can have coffee and and just go at it until the, you know, the, the, the moon, whatever, the man jumps over the moon and we're all too tired. We can do that. But at the end of the day, we don't need to be mad at each other and angry at each other and separating from each other just over an issue like that. And so sectarianism, You're not part of our group, therefore you must not really be of Christ. We want to be careful. We want to be really careful with that. Now, as we look at these two issues in Luke chapter 9, what we're looking at, what's at stake, is the issue of pride. Pride. Truth point number five in the last one communicates to us that pride is an insidious monster that creates division where division is not necessary. Pride was the issue. Who among us 
is the greatest? (laughs) That's a prideful question. It's got nothing to do with godliness. It's got everything to do with my view of myself and what I deserve and who I think I am. So who is the greatest among us is never the right question. The right question is always, will I humble myself like Jesus to be a servant to others? That's the right question. Wrangling over greatness fosters division while humbly serving others promotes unity. Secondly, you're not of our group. You're not part of our approved list. You don't have this name over your church or that name or whatever. You know, you have a different view of some things. You're not part of our group. Suggesting that others are not rightfully disciples of Christ is a position one must come to with divine humility and discernment. We want to be careful about that. Now, the point for us today is this. We're getting ready to land the plane, so do you struggle with pride? That's the issue today, really. Do you struggle with pride? I struggle with pride sometimes. Consider this, James chapter 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but he gives what to the humble? How many of you want to be opposed by God? Okay. None of us. None of us want to be there. But can I tell you that when we allow pride to well up inside of us, it's exactly what's happening. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.